I'll be honest with you, we've been in this series of When in Rome, going over the book of Romans since uh, the third week of April, and I've heard that intro video so often that I'm kind of getting up and walking around. I just like walking in life going, and my wife's looking at me, I'm like, in the back of my head, I'm going, she's like, what are you doing? I want to welcome all of our locations, broadcast location, everybody here, we're jumping in. Everybody looks so rested. You look like you've gotten an extra hour of sleep. And I also want to welcome all of our additional campuses that are launching today in deer leases across East Texas. I know many people are joining us online through your AirPods right now. Welcome. It's okay, but we will be here when you get back, okay? We are in season three. This has been such a big series that we've had to break it down into three different seasons, and we, we start season three today. Uh, Paul has given us multiple nuggets, beautiful spirit-empowered nuggets, and really what I wanna start with, if you're taking notes on the back of your worship guide, is first, there are four therefores that Paul is giving us through the book of Romans, four Therefores. When you see a therefore, you understand what that scripture that we just read is therefore. It gives us the practical application. Jesus in the Sermon on the Mount says, don't just be hearers of the word, be doers of the word. If you're a hearer of the word and not a doer, you, you, you are like a house built on sand, ain't gonna last. But if you're a hearer and a doer, you're a house that is built on a strong foundation. And no matter what comes your way, that house can stay we wanna be a church of doers, not just knowers, amen? We wanna be parents and moms and dads and husbands and wives and men and women of God that are not just hearers of the word, but doers of the word. And these therefores are there for that very reason. In season one, we talked about the therefore of sin. The bad news, we all have sinned and fallen short of the glory of God. And Paul says, therefore though, no one will be declared righteous in God's sight by the works of the law, Rather, through the law, we become conscious of our sin, meaning you being a good person and doing all the good things, and I came to church, and I gave my little offering, and I did this, and I did that, doesn't mean anything. You do not build your house. That's a sandy foundation to think that your good works are gonna get you to heaven. He says, your sin, we all sin, and what the law does is doesn't show you you gotta do this and this and this in order to be good. No, 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 it shows you just how you can't ever be good enough. It makes us aware of our sin. We've defined sin this way. Sin is choosing my way over God's way in any way. Anytime I wanna do it my way and take matters into my own hands, that's sin. In season one, we also learned the therefore of salvation, which is the good news. It's the antidote to sin. And Paul says, therefore, since we've been justified, made just as if I'd never sinned through faith, not through works, but through faith, we have peace with God. Peace is not a philosophy. Peace isn't an inner feeling. Peace isn't just a, a, an emotion. Peace is a person. The person of Jesus Christ activating, giving you that peace that passes understanding. I'm justified through faith through Jesus. What we realize is we just aren't good enough, but Jesus is more than enough. 
In season two, we unpacked the therefore of acceptance. We're accepted by God, yet sin, this is, the, this is the paradox, sin separates us from God and we are not perfect and we continue to sin. We all sin and fall short. It's not that we fell short way back then when we were teenagers and blessed God, now I never fall short. We fall short of the glory of God. And so how do we deal with this paradox between we still keep sinning, but God is an accepting God? Well, when we sin, it brings something into our lives. It brings a guilt. When you sin, there ought to be a, a guilt. And, and there is a, a level of fear of hurting the heart of God. And there is a self-awareness of your consciousness of sin that you're not gonna measure up. But what can happen is when we do these things, we take them to the extremes where guilt doesn't just stay. See, guilt is something I did, okay? Um, it, it's the thing I did, but, but shame is something that I become, like I am not good instead of I did something not good. Guilt taken to the extreme becomes shame or fear of God taken to an extreme becomes hiding from God. Many times when we know where we've, We've fallen short of the glory of God. We try to push away or we feel bad, so we stop talking to God. He wants you to talk to him more, but we hide the same way Adam and Eve hid from God when they realized they had sinned. They, Adam and Eve, became very self-aware. They were innocent in their nakedness, but they became self-aware, and the very first thing they tried to do was cover themselves up. And you know one of the ways we cover ourselves up with our fig leaves of today is through blaming other things, other people, blaming culture. Well, I mean, you just don't know my situation or the woman you put here with me, God, she made me eat the apple. Like, we love the blame game. But the therefore of acceptance is, therefore there is now no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus. You'll still, fear, you'll still experience the guilt, okay? You'll still experience the fear. You're still gonna be self-aware of your reality that you will fall short of the glory of God. But instead of living in shame and hiding and blame, there's a healthy journey that guilt ought to make us confess. That we confess our sins, he's faithful and just, and when we feel fear, instead of hiding from God, we get vulnerable with God, and we stand there, and we surrender with him. And instead of our self-awareness leading to blame other things, or hiding, or becoming shame and insecure, it brings us to a healthy identity that there's no con condemnation in those who are in Christ. So my identity, and my value, and my purpose, and my potential is wrapped up in who he is. I'm accepted by God. I don't gotta try and earn it anymore. Season three is where we are today. That when we understand the sin and salvation and acceptance, like what do we do with that? And we're gonna get into the therefore of service. The rest of our time from now until the final episode of When in Rome on the Sunday before our Christmas services, we are going to talk about the therefore of service. And so where we've been in the Romans breakdown, this is the, like the, the outline of Romans, starting with sin and salvation, sanctification, sovereignty of God. Now we're gonna get into service. The first part has been what we believe. Like we gotta know the foundational fundamentals of what we believe so that we can know how we behave in service. How do we flesh this out? How do we act? Out this acceptance, this no condemnation, this love of Jesus. And today we start in with the final four chapters of Romans, starting with Romans 12. We get to that next, therefore. Romans 12, one starts with a 
therefore, and he's gonna conclude the rest of this book, the rest of this letter to the saints in Rome with urging them how to live this thing out. Therefore, I urge you, brothers and sisters, now pause. I'm in preach mode, you're in congregation mode. And I want us just to pause at all of our locations and I wanna try and shift something. Instead of teaching you through this scripture just for the next 45 seconds, I want us all to get into receiving mode. That God is hosting you in this moment. He is hosting you. You're a guest. And he, before you learn about serving him, he wants to serve you by washing you with his word, by making you joyfully and painfully aware of what you are called to be, what you're called to do. And Paul is going to urge you, brothers and sisters, urge you, implore with you, admonish you, Instead of just hearing a scripture now that I wanna teach through, I'm inviting the scripture, the God-breathed word to wash over you today. So receive the word of the Lord now as I read it to you. Therefore, I urge you, brothers and sisters, in view of God's mercy, to offer your bodies as a living sacrifice holy and pleasing to God. This is your true and proper worship. Don't conform to the pattern of this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind. Then you will be able to test and approve what God's will is his good, pleasing, and perfect will. There are so many people asking the question, I just wanna know what God's will is for my life. In these two verses, we discover how to find God's will. It's, it's not a mathematical equation you gotta figure out with the chalkboard. It's not biting your bottom lip and trying this and trying that and, 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 and like, like finding out through a process of elimination. He is giving us, he's giving us the truth of his word of how to truly discover God's good and pleasing and perfect will for our lives. So today, I wanna offer you three steps that Paul has given us in Romans 12, one and two, on how to discover his will so that we can live in that and actually live it out for those around us and for our own, and for our own health, our own journey with Jesus. But in order to get you there, what I wanna do is not give you a step one, step two, step three. We're actually gonna start with the finish line we're gonna start with the end in mind and we're gonna see where we end up and we're gonna walk backwards to get to the starting point. So let's start with the end and we'll go backwards before we do all locations. Let's lean in today. I felt all week that this 
that this message is pregnant with some change today. That, that, that there is gonna be some, I believe, supernatural change that takes place in the room. You have to receive that gift. Father, the next few moments we have, you have laid it out. May we see what you see, hear what you wanna say, and respond in such a way that we leave having discovered your true and good and pleasing and perfect will as we do, as we behave in the way that embraces all that you've called us to do and embracing all you've called us to become. We ask it in Jesus' name. And everybody at every location said amen. So let's start with the end in mind. Step three of discovering God's will. You can write it down. It's this process. You get to the, to the final process. That is the process of transformation. You really wanna discover what God's will is? It ends with transforming. He says, be transformed by the renewing of your what? Your lease? No, renewing of your mind. Transform, that word in the original language, metamorphosis, is where we get the word metamorphosis. Like be, go through a process of metamorphosis. And it's this whole process that takes a caterpillar on a branch that goes through the process of creating a cocoon that later through metamorphosis will emerge from the cocoon a completely different transformed butterfly. That's what God, your, the pleasing, good, and perfect will is that you would become who you are and be, go beyond that to who he's calling you to be. And what he shows us is a very simple, there is no secret to it, that transformation, that metamorphosis from caterpillar to butterfly, transforming my life starts with changing my thoughts. It doesn't start with anything. It starts with changing my thoughts, that transformation piece, renewing of your mind. Here we go. I'm going to give you three of them. Pop quiz, surprise, back to school. Let me ask you a question. Which is better? Think about it. Which is better? More positive thoughts in your life or less negative thoughts in your life? No condemnation for those who are in Christ. How many of you with a boldness, you're going to say more positive thoughts? Put it up. How many of you think more, uh, less negative thoughts? Put it up. Oh, wow, interesting. You're all wrong. No, you're, 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 you're all right. It's gonna be more positive. It's gonna be less. But, but actually, studies have shown that even psychology that's catching up with scripture is less negative thoughts. Here's why. Because more positive thinking can lead to like pie in the sky that also reality hits. We think ideally, but then we, we come face to face with reality. So we're thinking about the ideal, but we face the real and the space between the ideal and the ideal, the, the real, we get ticked. <laughs> and so we, it ends up actually producing even more negative thoughts because the positive just didn't turn out the way we wanted. So here's a way that you can reduce less negative thoughts. Three areas, I could give you several. Three areas where all of us could reduce our negative thinking and you don't even know you're doing it. You don't even see it coming because you're not, you're not doing inventory on your negative thoughts. Three ways, complaining. 
complaining about this, complaining about this, from the weather to the roads to a stop sign to the person who won't move the moment, the, 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 the nanosecond, the light turns green and you gotta be on the horn. Rita, behind me, yesterday. Everybody knows that a red light is Spanish for check your text messages real fast, okay? But you just complain, complain stuff like some people have a spiritual gift of finding something to complain about. How quickly do we complain? How quickly do you complain, people? How quickly do I complain? Complaining about situational realities, but it also moves to criticizing, where then we poke holes in other things. Criticism, criti it is a snaky, sneaky, satanic thing, I'm telling you. Criticism sounds like the snake in the Garden of Eden right there. Where we're just, we're critical of people, we're critical. We, 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 we criticize stuff that, uh, uh, that it doesn't go exactly the way we would have done it. And, and less criticizing is less negativity in your life. Can I, can I invite you? Take, take a, take a five-day diet. Take a five-day fast. And, and don't criticize for five days. See what it does for you and the people around you. They'd be like, something is like the Holy Ghost has gotten a hold of Sharon. <laughs> Complaining, criticizing, catastrophizing. Where it's worry that can be on steroids. You always do this. You never, oh, they just make me so. I can't believe this again. We catastrophize stuff. You know how one of the fastest ways to get rid of a problem is just to choose to think, that's not gonna be a problem. <laughs> problem solved, <laughs> problem solved. You don't have to go through the 17 things you want your spouse to fix, just say, you know, uh, I would prefer it to be a different way, but I'm not gonna let this be a problem today. I I'm just not gonna let it be a problem today. Janet. <laughs> let me take it a step further, pop quiz. It's just like me to be. Here's how you know if you're, if you're in these thoughts. It's just like me to be optimistic about the future, kind to everyone I meet, a good listener, generous in serving others. Is that just like me to be that? I wish it were all the time. Sometimes I, I hit those, many times I don't. Usually it's just like me to be impatient when things don't go as planned and to be worried about things outside my control and to be stubborn when it comes to apologies and to be easily offended. That's just like me to be. That's just not like Jesus. I wanna be transformed by the renewing of my mind. A massive amount of our thoughts are on autopilot. You have set them and forget them. You are, it, like your, your mind is like the old Ron Papil uh, rotisserie chicken thing that you set it and forget it. And you have done it, you've set your thoughts and you have cemented them and you wake up in the morning and there's negative thoughts. There's, you're waking up in the morning and you're not thinking about things above, you're thinking about things on the earth. You know how, you know what the secret to change really is, the secret to that metamorphosis, the secret to that transformation. When you set something on autopilot, if you try to, to, to steer 
off of the autopilot. It's gonna fight you every single time. So you know what the secret to change is? Reset the autopilot. That's what transforming your thoughts is all about. And you might be asking a very, very, very massively important question, and it's this question. Okay, I wanna reset the autopilot. How? <laughs> I'm glad you asked. Paul's already given us the answer. It's step two. See, so often we wanna jump into the transformation, jump into the transformation. This is why like 30 days to get the abs you want. Transformation, we, we're gonna spin the bajil, we're gonna get the app, we're gonna get shredded. But we miss step two and step one. <laughs> step two for spiritual transformation, step two to get there is insulation. You know the whole snowpocalypse back in the day? Snowvid, shut down Texas, <laughs> you know. It wasn't that we've never experienced really, really, really cold, it's that we weren't prepared for it like other places. Even the windmills that were supposed to provide additional energy if other grids shut down, they weren't insulated enough for the kind of weather they faced, which caused cataclysmic chain reaction because there wasn't an insulation keeping them healthy. And we have to insulate our own lives. Hey, if we wanna be transformed in order to be truly transformed by the renewing of your mind, Paul says you gotta deal with insulation and that is don't conform to the pattern of this world. Don't just let everything speak into your life. The truth is our culture is a totally unreliable source for getting good guidance. Oh, I mean, I saw, I mean, Joe Rogan was talking about it. Oh, dear God in heaven. Unreliable source for getting good guidance. That's what our culture, our culture wants to lead you astray. Most people in the world are not following God's will. So if you really wanna discover God's will, do you think that that is going to be on your infinity scroll through Facebook? If the majority of people don't even know what God's will looks like, you think you're gonna get it out there? No, we gotta insulate. Pop quiz, pop quiz, you ready? Think about this question. Who has the most influence over my life? Think about it right now. Some of you, your, your wife is nudging you. Who has the most influence over my life? Think about it. It could be a coach, it could be an author, it could be a book you're reading, it could be Jesus, it could be a friend, it could be a coach beyond what we want it to be, and that is Jesus and his spirit living inside of us and his word, who has the most influence, influence over your life? Now, here's the, the trick of this. Every single one of you has the exact same answer. Some of you might have said coach, some of you might have said teacher, some of you might have said a book I'm reading. But here's the answer for all of us. It's one answer. The people I led into my life. Whoever has the most influence in your life are the people you let into your life. How often do you get so twisted by something somebody said in a comment thread? You don't even know them, but it, it turns you sideways. People being critical of you. I, I struggled with this as a young pastor. I'm still a relatively young pastor, but in my first years, I struggled with criticism from people. Something clicked in me one day. 
Like, if they're not adding value into my life, if they're not loving me, if, they don't, if they're not willing to invest in my life in other ways, why in the world am I giving them the steering wheel of my emotions if they'll never invest into me any other way except with criticism? I'm not going to give them the steering wheel. Some of, a couple of you are like, oh, that's why he's not been texting me back lately. Yeah, you're exactly right. Now there's two extremes. Insulation is the healthy place we wanna live, but there's two extremes, you can write it down. It's the extreme of isolation. So do not conform to the pattern of this world. So we bubble wrap, we get into the bunker, we, 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 we don't do this, we, don't, we, we get away from lost people, we, we, we act so, so different that it's not like, it's, it's not a good different, it's a weird different. Church people get, become weird people. We isolate ourselves in bubble wrap. And, and how can we be salt and light if we've completely isolated? No, we don't hide the light. No, salt is supposed to penetrate. But the other extreme, which I feel like is more where our culture is today, is an imitation. So instead of not conforming to the pattern of this world, we just wanna be like the pattern of this world. Those are two extremes. And we say, oh, there's so much grace that I can do whatever I want, live however I want. I've got enough grace. There is no condemnation. And you're now imitating the world and that is not how you are to respond to the grace of God. Instead, we find insulation, which this balance is, I live in the world without the world living in me. I live in the world to elevate his voice through my life in order to see transformation happen outside of me too. You might be asking a question though. Okay, I wanna be transformed, how? Well, insulation, like, like don't conform to the pattern of this world. And I wanna live in the world, but, but, but not let the world live in me. And you might be asking the question, yeah, like how? <laughs> it's funny you ask. It's almost like I planned this out. We wanna go to the transformation we, we, we wanna, we, we understand insulation. I mean, we wanna protect our kids. We wanna, we wanna be there. But so often we're so much about spiritual transformation and, 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 and insulation uh, or, or just getting more Christian information. Just another sermon. Just another teaching. Just another check mark on the devotional that what ends up happening is we skip over first base. You can run through second and third and run home and be out if you skip first base. So many people, friends, listen, I believe myself, I have been guilty. And this shouldn't bring shame, this should bring confession. I've been guilty of doing all the other stuff because that's what good Christians do, that I can take for granted this first step. This first step is what it's really about. Because if you, can't, if you can't get this one, you're not really gonna ever see the kind of transformation or even the kind of proper insulation. Step one is dedication. Notice what Paul says. Therefore, I urge you, urge you, just listen to me. Listen. 
I mean, I've had conversations with my kids growing up. You, you, wanna, you wanna put your 40 plus years of living this life and knowing what's kind of more important than what that 15 year old is thinking is so important that's kind of like, like messing with their identity, you know? And you wanna say, oh, you don't need to worry about that. Don't even think, don't even sweat that. You're not even gonna, you're not gonna see 98.9% of these kids outside of graduation. And yet 98.9% of the stuff our kids can be thinking about is those kids. Am I right? I wanna urge them, I urge you brothers and sisters, typically church, I urge you. Offer your bodies as a living sacrifice holy and pleasing to God. This is your true and proper worship. This is your true and proper worship. So what does dedication look like? He breaks it down into four areas right here in this one scripture. He says, dedication. Well, that's voluntary. If you wanna dedicate your life to Christ, you don't have to be, a, you're not a robot. It's voluntary. Look, offer. This is, this is one way you could look at raising hands in worship is offer. But you choose. It's voluntary. Offer your bodies. You know what this is? This is practical. It's not offer your philosophies. It's not offer your good vibes. Can you please... Please stop appeasing people by saying, sending my thoughts. You're not, no, you don't. You don't send your thoughts. Your thoughts are here. But there's something supernatural about prayer. It's connecting to the divine activity of God. I'm just saying, don't be ashamed. Hey, I'm, I'm truly praying for you. Sending good vibes. The enemy would love to counterfeit the power of prayer by us sending good vibes. Even then, that's not even practical. Like, hey, I almost, oh man, I, I'm stuck. Dad, it's your daughter. I'm 30 minutes outside of Lufkin. I've got two flat tires. I don't know what happened. Oh man, I'm sending good vibes your way. No, hang tight, girl. Daddy's got you. And I'm gonna physically call someone who knows what they're doing <laughs> as a living sacrifice. Offer your body. The way you act, the way you live, the way you work, the way you worship, the way you sacrifice, the way, as a living sacrifice. And sacrifice, understanding, an animal would be sacrificed, that, that thing would die to cover the sin of people. You offer voluntarily, practically, your service, your hands and your feet and your words and your worship as a living sacrifice. You know, it's complete. It's not halfway. That's what a sacrifice is. It's a sacrifice. You know what the problem is, though, with a living sacrifice? it can crawl off the altar. <laughs> like it can be like, ooh, this got hot. I don't know if I wanna live here. 
Apostle Paul says, you do all these things? This is your true and proper worship. I wonder how often I've been guilty or maybe you've been guilty of saying, ah, man, I don't know, I didn't really get much out of worship today. Uh, I don't know about the worship. Worship's not really my style. You don't even know what you're saying. You don't even know what you're saying. Because true and proper worship, are you saying, I didn't get much out of worship today? You know what you're saying? I really didn't offer my body as a living sacrifice, holy and pleasing unto God today. We're blaming the church and preferences over our own willingness to be palms up, living sacrifice to God. What would it look like if every service at all of our locations were full of men and women of God leading the next generation to offer ourselves as living sacrifices? That is worship. That, that, that's what worship is. Pop quiz. So we begin to land the plane today. I'd be most worried about losing. What? A relationship, comfort, stability, reputation. I'd be most worried about losing. Those might be indicators of some things that could get in the way of true worship. Because when we offer our bodies as living sacrifices, many times you know what that is? That's to our job. We break our backs, we stress ourselves out. Because if we don't have the job, we don't have the income, and how are we gonna take care of all this stuff? And Jesus says, you know, I'm the kind of God that, like, I notice the sparrow. So if I notice the sparrow, how much more do I notice you? Yeah, I know God, but I just don't know if you can see what I see. <laughs> Silly. Offering ourselves, that's our true act of worship. I'd be most worried about losing, or hey, I'd be most worried about not attaining prominence, the retirement, the significance, the recognition, the reward, children, grandchildren. If we're not careful, those things become what we will become a living sacrifice for. 99% of the will of God is fulfilled in learning to worship God. So instead of trying to make him happy by being transformed or insulating yourself from this, that, or the other, are they important to discovering? You bet, they're part of the process. But it starts with a dedication to God through worship. Oh, how do you do that? <laughs> how? I'm, I'm, you know, it's crazy. You've been asking questions and I feel like the Lord has been giving us answers today. How? Well, we see it right here in the scripture and if you're not careful, we passed right over it and it's the linchpin. It's the hinge point. It's the keystone of it all. 
view of God's mercy. I urge you, brothers and sisters, don't conform and, and be transformed and, and offer your bodies. None of that really is gonna happen until you see his mercy in view of his mercy. What is his mercy? That before you ever offered anything, Jesus himself would offer his own body as the living sacrifice so that instead of you trying to do it, he says, no, 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 I'll go first. I'll show you. The truth is, you won't always get it right, but I will one time forever and for everybody. It has been my plan. I will do it once and I will get it right. And in view of his mercy, that he would die for you. He would pay a debt you owed. He would sacrifice what you should have sacrificed. And in view of his mercy, today, I'm gonna offer to surrender myself to. And then tomorrow when I get up and the going gets tough, I'm gonna have to recalibrate and I'm accepted and there's no condemnation and I'm saved, but I wanna calibrate and be transformed by the renewing of my mind. I wanna insulate, I don't wanna imitate or isolate, I wanna insulate, but it all starts with worship. So I wanna invite all of our locations. I'm gonna ask you, this is a worship moment, not a slip out faster and go get your kids moment. Stand where you are. This is a worship unto God moment. All locations stand where you are. And now I'm going to invite us to pray through this scripture. I'm gonna lead us from step one through step three. And instead of just listening, I want, I want you to participate. This is a choir, we're a choir today. Now that may mean that you're gonna pray out loud like this. It doesn't mean that anybody is going to pray louder than the other person. So inadvertently, we look at you instead of looking towards heaven. But I am going to invite you to stretch your comfort zone a little bit. And it may be whispering, it may be grabbing the hand of your spouse, like, let's do this together. But I want to invite you into this process of discovering God's will starting right now. Would you close your eyes? Would you bow your heads? Father, you are worthy of our praise. You are the one it has been so merciful that when sin should destroy us and sin should separate us, you had a plan of salvation by sending your own son. And in view of that mercy for me, not giving me what I deserve, and I deserve the death penalty, I deserve punishment, I deserve separation. So I'm not good enough and I can't measure up enough for the God of the cosmos. Who am I in this mass galaxy of your goodness and mercy and yet you love so today, Lord, all of my flaws, all of my imperfections, all of my junk, all of my past, present, and future, I offer to you as a sacrifice. Thank you for meeting me where I am. I just offer it to you, Lord. And God, if there's areas in my life 
friends, come on, you pray for you. I'm praying for me, you pray for you. Lord, I don't wanna conform to the patterns of this world where it's a dog eat dog, where it's um, get all mad, where it's live arrogant, where it's be jealous, where it's be rude and cynical and complain and catastrophize. God, I don't wanna live that way. I don't wanna conform to the pattern of this world where it's, it's shame and it's blame and it's hiding from you. I wanna be transformed. God, would you change my thoughts? Lord, there are runaway thoughts that are happening in the men and women and the children. I pray we would take those thoughts captive today. We offer them to you, Lord junk and all, dirt and all. And we stand vulnerable to you saying, if you were a, just a holy God and not a grace-filled God, you would wipe us out. But because we know you're rich in mercy, we can stand vulnerable and say, oh God, look at all this. Look at all this crap in my life. Would you take it away? Friends, would you just ask him to cleanse your heart again? God, don't let me be just a good Christian, polished Christian that I don't get vulnerable with you and invite you to search my heart with your spotlight into the corners and crevices. And God, I know that if I will just process this with you and just enter your courts with thanksgiving and enter your courts with praise and worship you and surrender to you. I know that step by step, I will be transformed and I thank you. And I'm gonna walk out a little bit more transformed. I'm breaking through the cocoon. I'm getting my wings of this butterfly. You're doing a metamorphosis that started with the inside and I'm asking you, Lord, to work its way to the outside. How I behave how I serve, that it would be good and pleasing and perfect to you. In Jesus' name.